بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أما بعد يقول الإمام الذهبي رحمه الله تعالى الكبيرة الثالثة السحر لأن الساحر لا بد أن يكفر قال الله تبارك وتعالى ولكن الشياطين كفر يعلمون الناس السحر وما للشيطان الملعون غرض في تعليمه الناس السحر إلا حتى يشركوا بالله تعالى وقال الله تعالى عن هاروت وماروت وما يعلمان من أحد حتى يقول إنما نحن فئنة فلا تكفر فيتعلمون منهما ما يفرقون به بين المرء والزوجه إلى أن قال ولقد علم لمن اشتراه ما له في الآخرة من خلاق الآية فترى خلق كثيرا من الدلال يدخلون في السهر ويظنونه حرام فقط وما يشعرون أنه الكفر فيدخلون في تعلم السينية وعملها وهي محض السحر وفي عقد المرء عن زوجته وهو سحر وفي محبة الزوج لمرأته وفي بغدها وبغده وأشباه ذلك بكلمات مجهولة أكثرها الشرك والضلال الإمام الذهبي May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon him إخوان in his book, Kitab al-Kabair, mentions the third kabira, and that is the kabira of magic. And he said concerning this issue, as it is his sunnah and his minhaj, to give the adillin, the proof, that this particular thing that he's mentioned is a kabira by first bringing the ayat of the Qur'an, and then supporting that with the authentic hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it brings those ayat from Surah Al-Baqarah in which Allah Ta'ala has established that a sihr is kufr, magic is disbelief. And he said, but the shayateen, they disbelieve. They taught the people magic. So Allah has established in this ayat that the shayateen taught the people magic and in so doing, they became kufar. And Imam Al-Dhahabi said, because the shaytan who was cursed his desire in teaching people magic and making them practitioners of magic, his desire behind that is so that they will fall into shirk. And then he brought another ayat connected to those series of ayat in which is speaking about Harut and Marut, two of the mala'ika of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Harut and Marut, they did not teach anyone this magic except that they said to the people before teaching them the magic, Verily we are a trial for you, so do not disbelieve. And they learned from Harut and Marut that Babylon, those things would, would divide a man and his woman. Those things which will make discord between a man and his wife. So the delil from that. That magic is disbelief. And as such, it's a kabira from the kabair. Is that before Harut and Marut taught the people magic, they said to them, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا تَكْفُرُ 
We are a trial for you people, so do not disbelieve. Do not become disbelievers by learning magic and practicing magic. After bringing these two ayat, Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi, he said, Ikhwan, many of the people, unfortunately, they are astray as it relates to the issue of magic because they see magic as being something that's only prohibited. But they don't recognize that magic is something that is kufr, it is disbelief. So they go into it and they learn it when it is a clear action of disbelief. For an example, those people who they tie knots and they cause a man to love his wife or cause the wife to love the husband or cause a man to hate his wife or cause the wife to hate her husband. And most of the time when they are using these words of magic, they are simply words that are not clear and they are ambiguous and they entail and include shirk and balala. And Imam al-Dhahabi, rahimahullah ta'ala, ikhwani, he is not living in our community and there may be some people in the audience who may even say, magic? Why would he mention magic as being the third thing and there are issues bigger than magic? When in fact, there are people in our masjid right now who know other people who magic has been worked on them or they know someone who he himself is a magician. So unfortunately, many times when the mother of the husband has a problem with the wife, she'll put a magic potion on her daughter-in-law or she'll put a magic potion on her son in order to cause the divorce. There are some people from the Muslims who don't believe in magic at all. And that's another example of al-ghulu and the deen and al-jahl. They don't believe in magic and they use their intellect to deny and to reject magic. So you have those people who practice magic and that's overboard because the person is exceeding the limits and he's falling into the hudud of Allah And then you have the other extreme, those Muslims who use their intellect and they say, I don't believe in magic. We have to be an ummah that is advanced and caught up with technology. And if we believe in magic, this is from the khurafat of the nations gone by. Or they say, if it is true that Rasulullah wasallam was mashoor, Rasulullah had magic performed on him. If this is possible, then that means that the Qur'an, we don't know what's authentic in the Qur'an and what's not authentic because maybe there was an ayat that was revealed when Rasulullah wasallam was under the influence of magic. So therefore they reject magic. Or the clear ayahs that establish magic, like the issue with Harut and Marut, the issue with Sulaiman. They say no. How is it possible that Harut and Marut are from the Malaika and they came down and taught the people magic and the Malaika, they do not fall into any sins, not to mention the Kaba'ir. So they use their intellect in order to push away the Adilla that are Thabita in the Quran. I want to say, Akhwani, as it relates to any text of the Quran or any hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if there's an ishkal or a problem that a Muslim has with understanding some aspect of Al-Islam, he has to be wary and afraid. He has to take it as a serious issue to find it easy to push away and discard any hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If that hadith is authentic, and he doesn't understand it. He has to say, I am going to 
criticize my own understanding before I criticize the ayat that's in the Quran. The sister, she sees that Al-Islam has given the man or her husband many hukuk over her, darajat over her. So she's a revert to Al-Islam. She says, I don't agree with how Al-Islam has made the man over the woman. So therefore, those aspects of the man-woman relationship, I don't see that. I don't embrace it. I don't recognize it. That's kufr. The Muslim is a person who finds a way to say, it's my understanding. It's my imam's understanding. He never says, Rasulullah sallallahu didn't know what he was talking about. The meaning of this ayat means something else other than what it is being shown in the particular ayat. For that reason, I want to share with you something that's very important that Shaykh al-Islam al-Thani al-Imam ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah mentioned rahimahullah ta'ala when he talked about the categories of people. And we have to be careful of being from any one of these four categories of people. He said that the people are mutakabbirun who reject the text of the Qur'an and the Sunnah because they don't understand it. Maybe Allah ta'ala hasn't chosen this time for you to understand it. But under that ayat, or under that hadith, there's a treasure of information that you didn't come to know about it yet. But with some studying, with some ijtihad, with some effort, being a student, Allah make it apparent to you, manifest to you. Maybe not now. So before saying, I do away with the hadith, say, let me get more knowledge. Let me research the issue. He said the people are mutakabbirun. The first, mutakabbir, are those people who work with the fiqh of al-Islam, those fuqaha. Not just the ulama from the fuqaha, but just the regular people in their fiqh. Maliki, Hanbali, Shafi'i, Hanafi. He's a faqih on his own particular level. The text of the hadith goes against his madhab, goes against what his imam says. So he rejects the hadith even though it's authentic, and he says, my imam must have known that hadith. Since my imam didn't take with it, I'm not taking with it. So we can't be of the mutakabbirin from the fuqaha who put their intellect, who put their desires before the text. The second group of people he said were the people from Ahlul Kalam. The people who use their intellect, so when the text doesn't go with their intellect, they push the text away. They say, for an example, the Christian God, Vishnu, or one of the gods that the, 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 the Hindus believe in. They say that he's everywhere. The Hindus believe that he's everywhere. So therefore, why don't we believe that Allah is everywhere? If they can do it, we can do it. That's putting his intellect before the text. The third group of people that Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim mentioned were the people of At-Tasawwuf. The people of At-Tasawwuf who decide things are correct or incorrect based upon how it feels to them. What they call a vote. If it tastes good or it feels good or it's something that they experience in their ahwal and their halat, they say it's from Al-Islam. If it doesn't taste good, then they reject it. We love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so they say we're going to go overboard in praising him. We're going to practice his birthday. We're going to go overboard and make it a special dhikr. When you bring them the text, they say no, no. This doesn't go along with the dhuq. This doesn't go along with what we feel. The fourth and final group of people are the siyasiyun. The people of politics. The people of politics can be the high level of politicians 
who when the Quran and the Sunnah go against their desires, they push it away. Or the low level of politicians, the jama'at that busy themselves with politics. Their jama'ah is a jama'at that calls for the khilafah, for an example. Everything is the khilafah, the khilafah. Or everything is jihad, jihad. And it's political behind that dawah. Everything is something about politics. Whenever you come to them with a text, you have to do this or you can't do that. It's not permissible to mix. It's not permissible to do that. They say, no, no, we can't follow that text. We can't follow that ayat. We can't follow that hadith because it doesn't go along with our gharat or our desire in the politics. So those are the four people we don't want to be from those four categories that Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim Al-Jawziyah mentioned. Rahimullah ta'ala. After giving those two ayat from the Quran, he brought the adilla from the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the aqwal of the statements of the companions and the Salaf al Salih. He said, Wahaddu Sahir al Qatl. The reward or the punishment for being a magician is that that individual is killed. And he's killed because that's what Umar radiallahu anhu ordered when he was the Khalifa. He wrote a letter to the Muslims. And in that letter in the Islamic State, in the Islamic Empire, he said, The narrator of this particular author, Bajara rahimullahu ta'ala, he said, Umar wrote a letter and he told, kill every single magician man and magician woman. Our mother Hafsa radiallahu anha, she had a jariya, a slave, who put magic on Hafsa. Hafsa radiallahu anha had her murdered, had her killed in front of her. She didn't go to the hakim, she didn't go to the khalifa, she had the lady killed in front of her. In addition to that, there was a leader from the Muslims who was the brother of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. His name was Al-Walid ibn Uqba radiallahu anhu. Al-Walid, he made some mistakes doing his khilafah. He drank khamar. He made the salat of Al-Fajr and he was drunk. Instead of making two rakahs, he made four rakahs. The people who had a problem with the khilafah of Uthman, they criticized Uthman from what his brother was doing. And they made khuruj against Uthman because of his brother. Al-Walid ibn Uqba radiallahu anhu was flogged for drinking khamar. But despite that, the companions still prayed behind him. Despite that, the companions still gave him advice and they did not make khuruj against Al-Walid. Al-Muhim, Al-Walid invited a magician, ikhwan, to come and to do magic in front of the people and to entertain the people. Authentic athar and the jami of Imam al-Tirmidhi. The man would take a sword and he would cut his neck with the sword that was sharp and it wouldn't make any wound. And the people were enjoying the festivities. Upon hearing that, the companion Jundab ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, he went, he took his sword and he chopped the man's head off in front of Walid and in front of the people. The people got up and they started running away. Jundab ibn Abdullah said, I don't want to kill you people. I don't want to kill you people. But he read the ayat of the Quran, Afata'tuna as-sihr wa antum tubsirun. Do you people do a magic while you're watching? Do you, you, the magician, 
Are you doing magic while you people are watching? That's an ayat of the Quran. Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu heard about the incident. Salman said, it wasn't befitting for the Walid to bring the people to watch the magician because he's an imam and the leader who the people follow. And it wasn't befitting for Jundab ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhum ajma'een to come and take the sword out in the, pres- in the presence of the Khalifa. So those are clear proofs that show us that as sihr the one who is a practitioner of as-sihr, he is to be killed. Someone may ask the question, Ikhwan, and it would be an intelligent question. And that is, how is it possible that Hafsa radiallahu anha can kill Hajaria without raising the issue to the authority? And how is it possible that Junjab ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu can come and take a man's life without the authority. How is that possible? Especially in light of the fact that we've mentioned from the minhaj al-sahih, from the Islam that is sahih, is that it is haram for any of us to go out and to take the affairs into our own hands. It is haram for someone to go out and to perform or execute an honor killing, even if the person we wants to kill deserves to be killed. He deserves to be killed because that person did something to his family or something to him that Al-Islam will give the ruling that he's killed. It's not for any of us to execute the ahkam of the hudud. Unless obviously someone comes into your home and you protect yourself. Someone tries to harm you in the street and you protect yourself. And in the process you kill him. That's okay. But to go out and to look for the thief or the murderer, this is not permissible. So how is it possible that Hafsa had the lady killed? Because people will take these examples, Ikhwan, and for our young brothers who want to practice Islam and spread the sunnah, they'll show you this authentic hadith. And then you think it's okay to go out and to assassinate someone who doesn't agree with you. The answer to that is simple. The Prophet ﷺ has allowed in Al-Islam If a person has a slave, it is permissible for that person who owns a slave to establish the hajj on his slave. That's permissible. And it happened during the time of Rasulullah on a number of occasions. So the permissibility of it is restricted. It is constricted. It is tight. He says sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam in an authentic hadith that's been collected by Imam al-Bukhari al-Muslim. إِذَا زَنَتْ أَمَتُ أَحْدِكُمْ فَتَبَيَّنَتْ زِنَاهَا فَلْيَجْلِدْهَا وَلَا يُثَرِّبْ وَإِنْ زَنَتْ ثَانِيَةً فَتَبَيَّنَ زِنَاهَا فَلْيَجْلِدْهَا وَلَا يُثَرِّبْ ثُمَّ إِنْ زَنَتْ ثَالِثًا فَلْيَبِعْهَا وَلَوْ بِحَبِلْ شَعْرٍ If one of your slave girls has committed zina, and her zina is apparent and proven, then flog her. And if she does it a second time, then flog her. And if she does it a third time, then sell her even for the meager price of a piece of rope. So he allowed that to happen. Al-Imam al-Bukhari in his book, Al-Adab al-Mufrat, he brought the circumstance in which the blind companion who was in love with his jariah, 
he wasn't married to her, but she was his jariya, and he loved her because of the benefit that he received from her. But she used to curse Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the man would warn her, "You better stop saying that." And the lady would continue to curse Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He knocked her down on the ground and got on top of her and split her head open with an axe and killed her. They took the situation to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and told him the story. When he heard what she was doing, making shatam and sub of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which is kafir, Rasulullah said, "Ala inna damaha hadar." Verily, her blood is halal. Her blood is free to flow. So this situation here, the people who killed the other people, they killed their slaves. They killed their slaves. In the issue of Hafsa, it was the Jari of Hafsa. In the issue of Junda ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu majma'in, it was a Jari. It was an Am. It was an Abd. In addition to that, Al Walid ibn Uqba is the Khalifa, and he allowed it to be done. So he did it in front of the Khalifa. Again, I want to repeat and reiterate: Al Islam is not a religion of folder of confusion. It is not permissible for anyone to go out and to search for the one who has done wrong to him. So if you go to the book, Asulul Sunnah al Imam Ahmed, Asulul Sunnah, when he starts dealing with the Khawarij and the thieves, he said, if the thief comes in you into you on your house, from the Asul of the Sunnah, is that you protect yourself, and if you kill him, you did what is permissible. If he kills you. You are a shaheed. He said, but if the, if the lust, if the criminal, if the thief runs away, he said, we do not follow him. We do not chase after him. You leave that for the people who are in charge. Other than that, it is not permissible. Al-Imam al-Dahabi brought the hadith of Rasulullah the authority of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qala al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam thalathatun la yadkhuluna al-janna mudminu al-khamr wa qatu al-rahm wa man saddaq al-sahir Three people will not enter into Jannah the first person is the one who is addicted to alcohol. He's addicted to narcotics. And alcohol also includes all kind of drugs and narcotics. The second person is the person who breaks the tie of relationship. Whoever that relationship may be. He breaks the tie of relationship. Is a kabira from the kabair. And finally, and this is the shahid, the person who believes in magic and the magician. He goes to the magician, he goes to the kahin, the soothsayer, and he believes in what that individual has said. Men ata ha'idan, aw imra'atin fi dubriha, aw kahinan fasaddaqahu, faqad kafara bima unzila ala Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whoever has relationships with a woman while she's on her mints, and whoever has relationships with a woman in her anus. And anyone who goes to a soothsayer and then believes what they say, they have disbelieved in what was revealed on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the Quran and the authentic sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So ikhwani, the magic and the practicing of magic is a kabira from the kabair because it is kufr. And the one who practices it is having the wa'id of being killed in the religion of al-Islam.
Finally, Imam al-Dhahabi closes out the chapter, Juan, with what I believe is some kalam that should be translated word for word. And it should be passed out. And it shows the benefit of this book. It is just not the book of Al-Kaba'i. It is a book of hadith and the uloom of al-hadith. And most importantly, it is a book of aqidah and a book of minhaj. Because he ends the chapter with some tremendously important kalam that we're not going to read all of it, but we're going to share with you some of it. He said, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنْ هَذِي الْكَبَائِرِ بَلْ عَمَّتَهَا إِلَّا الْأَقَلِّ يَجْهَلُوا خَلْقٌ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ الْأُمَّةِ تحريمه وما بلغه الزجر فيه ولا الوعيد فهذا الدرب فيهم تفصيل فينبغي للعالم أن لا يستعجل على الجاهل بل يرفق به ويعلمه مما علمه الله ولا سيما إذا كان قريب الأهل بجاهليته قد نشأ في بلاد الكفر البعيدة وأثر وجرب إلى أرض الإسلام وهو تركي كافر أو كرجي مشرك لا يعرف العربية فاشتراه أمير تركي لا علم عنده ولا فهم Listen to this kalam and compare Imam al-Dhahabi to some of the people who call into al-Islam today and to some of the people who claim a salafiya and the way they're practicing al-Islam and call into a salafiya and I remind you that Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Qayyim was the student of Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah when he came and he started his da'wah rahimahullah ta'ala, he had a lot of enemies because he was inviting the ummah to come back to the Qur'an and the sunnah and the understanding of the salaf of the ummah from the companions radiallahu anhum. And whenever you do that, you're going to have enemies because of the four categories that were mentioned. The people of kalam, of intellect, the people of the turqa sufiyya, the people who want to have the fiqh according to what the madhab and the imam said. And the imam, Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah called the people back to the unadulterated Qur'an and sunnah. So everybody was against them. But he used to not deal with the people the way they dealt with him. They used to lie against him and he didn't lie against them. Ibn Batta, everyone knows Ibn Batta al-Khurafi. He was an Arab man who traveled all over the world and his trips are recorded in books. Ibn Batta, he got on the member and he hated Ibn Taymiyyah so much because he established the Aqidah Sahiha. He said, Ibn Taymiyyah was a person who believed that Allah comes down in the third part of the night the way I come down off of the member. So he got off of the member and he came down. He said, I heard Ibn Taymiyyah do that and I saw him do it. And when he said that, Ibn Taymiyyah at that particular time was in prison. He wasn't even there, wasn't able to give a khutbah anywhere. So the people who were his enemies used to lie against him. Ibn Taymiyyah was the direct teacher and sheikh of Ibn Qayyim. And you see Ibn Taymiyyah's teachings rubbing off on Ibn Qayyim. Ibn Qayyim said here in closing out this chapter, showing the rahmah that they used to have for this ummah. Because Ahl sunnah are the most knowledgeable people about the truth and the most merciful people upon the creation. He said, you should know that the kaba'ir as an issue and the majority of the kaba'ir, most of the Muslims of this ummah, they don't even know about the impermissibility of many of the kaba'ir. And it has not reached them the seriousness of the issue because they don't read, they don't know. 
He went on to say, so as it relates to the Muslims, there is some details that be to, need to be known when we look at them, when we judge them. You can't judge everyone the same way. He said there's some tafsil, some distinctions that you have to know when passing judgment. He said therefore it is necessary for the scholar and the one who knows not to rush when he's dealing with the ignorant person from the Muslims. He has to have mercy upon him, he has to be easy with him, and he has to teach him from what Allah has taught him. Especially as it relates to those people who are new to Al-Islam and they've just recently left Al-Jahiliyyah. A person who grew up in the country where there's kufr in his place. It is not the country in the city of Al-Islam. He was captured as a slave and forcefully taken to the Islamic lands. He was purchased by an emir who was Turkey, or he himself is a non-Arab. So he's brought and he doesn't know the Arabic language. And as a result of that, he has no knowledge whatsoever about his religion. So this is the way we are to deal with the Muslims. Even that lady in America two, three weeks ago who insisted on praying the Salat of Al-Jum'ah with the Muslims the way she did. Wallahi ikhwan, we say when she did what she did, that's a kabira from the kabair. But we know people like that are from the most ignorant people in the dunya. Before passing the ruling of a takfir on her, before saying that the lady is from the CIA or the FBI, we have to establish the argument against her and every other Muslim before saying a person is a kafir. Because the companions of Rasulullah wasallam, Wallahi, they did worse than that. There are examples where they did worse than the lady leading the salat in the Juma prayer. And yet they didn't disbelieve. Muadh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu was sent by Rasulullah sallallahu to Yemen to give da'wah in Allah. He went to Yemen and he called the people to Al-Islam for a number of years. And then he heard that Rasulullah sallallahu is going to make hajj this year. Yemen is close to Mecca, closer to Mecca than Al-Madina where he was. So he traveled to meet Rasulullah in Mecca. When he saw Rasulullah, his Habib, the one who he loved more than anything else in the world. He couldn't help himself except that he wanted to respect him. So he fell down and made sajda to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Everyone knows that a sajda is for Allah azawajal and Allah alone. Everyone knows that. Mu'adh ibn Jabal from his khasa'is. Yawm al-qiyamah, Mu'adh will come and he'll carry the flag and he'll be in front of all of the ulama because he's an alim from this ummah. And yet, Mu'adh made sajda to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah istagharaba when dahasha faqala, Ya Mu'adh, ma hadha? Mu'adh, what are you doing? Mu'adh said, Ya Rasulullah, in Yemen, those people, whenever they meet and greet the respected from amongst them, they make sajda to them. So I'm using qiyas. You are better than those people they make sajda to. Since they make sajda to them and you're better than them, I should make sajda to you. Everyone knows this story. لَوْ كُنْتُ آمِرًا أَحَدًا لِيَنْ يَسْجُدَ لِأَحَدٍ لَمَرْتُ الْمَرْأَةَ لِيَنْ تَسْجُدْ لِزَوْجِهَا If I was going to order someone to make sajda to someone else, I would have ordered the woman to make sajda to her husband. That's kufr and that's shirk. But Mu'ad did not go outside of Islam. Allah has mentioned in the Quran in so many ayats, وَلَا تَتَّخِذُوا الْيَهُودَ وَالنَّصَارَ أَوْلِيَاءَ 
بعضهم اولياء بعض ومن يتولوا منكم فانه منه don't take the yahud and the nasara as helpers muslims they are helpers one to another and whoever takes them as a helper he's from them the companion of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam hatim ibn abi balta radiyallahu anhu wrote a letter to the kuffar preparing them to fight rasulullah he helped them directly to kill rasulullah to fight to prepare to get ready umar radiyallahu anhu said ya rasulullah he's a munafiq let me chop his head off rasulullah did not say ya umar he's not a munafiq that was an action of the munafiqin no one can say anything or do something that's haram in his presence except that he has to put the best construction to it umar said he's a munafiq let me kill him he didn't say he's not a munafiq he asked them why did you do that he told him ya rasulullah you know in mecca i have my family i have my money no one is there to protect them i wrote the letter to them hoping that they will give me a break they will help me they leave my money and my family alone So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam said he's from the people of Badr maybe Allah looked over the deeds of the people of Badr and told them do whatever you want to do so ikhwani what Hatim ibn Abi Bakr did is helping the kuffar not over the muslims only but over rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but he had a reason that he did it and even though it was still a crime and it was wrong nonetheless he was ma'dhur he had an excuse and there are too many examples of that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam went to visit the people in the baqir to visit the dead people after coming into the home of aisha radiyallahu anha he lay down a bed took his clothes off took his shoes off he lay there until he thought that aisha fell asleep when he thought she slept he got up took his clothes took his shoes closed the door very quietly and he went she followed him she said in the hadith i put on my khimar and i put on my niqab and i tightened my waistband another clear delil that the niqab was wajib upon the wives of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam she said i followed him to the baqir i saw him raise his hands three times and then when he turned i turned when he ran i ran When he came and he got in the bed, I was breathing hard. So he said, "Ya Aisha, why are you breathing like that?" She said, "Nothing, nothing is wrong with me." He said, "If you don't tell me, Allah is going to tell me." And then he she told him the story. "I thought you were going to go to one of your wives' home." She was asked by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Adhananti an yahif Allah wa rasuluhu bika ya Aisha?" Ya Aisha, did you think that Allah and his messenger would oppress you and not deal justly with you? Before when Aisha told him, he said if you don't tell me, Allah is going to tell me. Aisha said, "Ya Rasulullah, do you mean to tell me Allah knows what's in the hearts of the people?" Aisha didn't know that Allah Azawajal knows everything. She thought maybe Rasulullah would be unjust, unfair. That's kufr. That's not permissible. But yet she didn't go outside of the religion of Islam. The point, ikhwan, the companions used to fall into a lot of issues and Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi here is teaching us in the book of Al-Kaba'ir. When the Muslims fall into the Kaba'ir, like the Kabira of As-Sihr, it was something that was prevalent during his time and is prevalent now. People go into the sooth saying other than that it will be zulm and ghulu 
and the tida going over the board, going overboard and exceeding the limits for us to pronounce takfir on people without the tafsil, without making distinctions between who's doing what and why they are doing it. Does that mean, Ikhwani, that every individual who does something that's kufr, he is excused in the religion? It doesn't mean that. So we have to be balanced. There are certain things that if people do them, they are not excused. Iblis, Lanatullah alayhi, he said in the Quran, in the issue with Adam, Khalaqtani, Khalaqtuhu min teen, wa Khalaqtani min na, Khalaqtani min na, wa Khalaqtuhu min teen. He had his understanding that was wrong. He made ta'wil. But that wasn't an excuse for him. None of the knowledge had to be brought to him. There are certain things that people say and do that's not permissible. If someone takes this Quran, and he uses the Qur'an for toilet tissue or as toilet paper, akramakum Allah. There's no excuse for a person in something like that. That's kufr. Who in his right mind with the correct fitra is going to take the Qur'an and throw it inside of the toilet? Barakallah fikum. No one. Except the person who kufr has found his way into his heart. But in general, the Muslims, we have to establish the argument upon them. وَمَنْ يُشَاقِكَ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْلَ السَّبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَمَا كُنَّا مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبْعَثَ رَسُولًا We will not punish a people until we send to them a warner. Until we send to the people a warner. There's some more kalam, ikhwan, but we're going to stop here because we want to stop exactly at 9 o'clock, insha'Allah ta'ala today. So we're going to stop here with this kabira of the sihr. And next week, insha'Allah, is the kabira of turk salat of leaving the salat in al-Islam. Any questions, ikhwan? From the questions that were given, how do we deal with sihr? If we think that someone has performed sihr against us or our family and has caused discord between a husband and his wife. You do what the Prophet did sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam and that is read the the Mu'adatain, the two surahs that were read for Surat al-Maghrib today. Surat al-Faraq and Surat al-Nas when the magic was worked on him by the Yahudi, Labid, Ibn, Shu'ib. That particular man, Rasulullah, didn't kill him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So some people dispute that the magician should be killed because Rasulullah did not kill the man who made magic on him. But he didn't kill a man for a number of reasons. Weighing the masalih and the mafasid. Had he killed the man, it could have been a problem. So he didn't kill the man. Just as he didn't kill the Jewish lady who poisoned him, she tried to kill Rasulullah sallallahu tried to take another life that was haram for her to take, the life of a Nabi, but it was some way in the good and the evil. So that is not a delil. When that man put magic on Rasulullah and the lady who was a magician from the Yahoo put magic on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the nafathat and the uqad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the two angels to him and revealed those two ayahs. So, reading the Qur'an, especially the last two surahs of the Qur'an, reading also the other parts of the Qur'an, those of you who go to Umrah and to Mecca for Hajj, there is a type of date that will protect you from a sihr which is called Al-Ajwa. Al-Ajwa. 
So instead of spending all of your time in the marketplace, purchase the ajwa date. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man asbaha fa'akala sab'a tamran min al-ajwa la yusibuhu sihran wala sam. Whoever wakes up in the morning and he eats seven days of al-ajwa that are from Medina. He eats seven days of al-ajwa every morning. He won't be hit. He won't be afflicted by magic or poison. Magic or poison. Someone may say, what does a date have to do with magic? I don't take that. I don't believe that. Maybe there's some knowledge in there, Juan, a treasure that you don't know about yet. From the protections of Asir, obviously, our dua, especially for the children, the dua that the Prophet ﷺ used to make upon his children or his grandchildren. The next question, Ikhwan, is, is card tricks and similar tricks magic? Should we refrain from them? Yes, we should refrain from them, but the ulama have ikhtilaf in the sleight of hand. There are those ulama who say that it's magic and you should be killed and it's a kabira from the kabair. Others say this is not the magic, this is not the magic that is haram where you are killed. It's haram because it's lying, it's iftira, it's playing games. But the trickery of the eye is not considered to be the sihr that the Quran is talking about in the issue that we dealt with today. The magic of Fir'aun's magicians, the sahr of Fir'aun. As Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran, سَحْرُوا أَعْيُنَ النَّاسِ وَاسْتَرْحَبُوهُمْ وَجَاءُوا بِسِحْرٍ عَظِيمٍ Those magicians, they put magic on the eyes of the people and made the people afraid. And they came with a great example of magic. They made the snake look like it was moving, but it was just from the takhayulat, from the imagination, what appeared like that, but it wasn't real. People can do their finger some way and make it look like he took his finger off. They elevate themselves off of the ground. Those are optic illusions and trickery. That's not the magic that a person is killed in, killed for with the majority of the ulama of al-Islam, but it should be avoided in either case. person here said, how can Harut and Marut teach people what's haram and they are angels? How can Harut and Marut teach people what's haram and they are angels? It's known, ikhwani, that the malaik as Allah described them in the Qur'an, لا يعسون الله ما أمرهم ويفعلون ما يؤمرون So this ayah explains the ishkah. The malaika who are over the hellfire and other than them, they do not disobey Allah and they do what they are ordered to do. They don't disobey Allah. They don't have the propensity and the ability to disobey Allah. There's no masiyah with them. And they do what they are ordered to do. So Allah Azawajal ordered them to go and teach the people magic. As a fitna, as an imtihan, an ibtila, as a trial. And before teaching them, they said as the ayah said, we are fitna to you so don't disbelieve. That's the first answer and what seems to be the strongest position. They do what Allah Azawajal ordered them to do. Making sajda to anyone and anything is shirk and haram. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَذْقُنَّ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمَ 
فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ They made sajda when Allah ordered them to make sajda. Sajda is haram unless Allah orders you. Killing is haram unless Allah orders you. So we are like the malaika in that issue. You just follow. We hear and we obey. The second issue, ikhwan, and this is important as well, is that some of the ulama don't believe that Harut and Marut taught magic. They believe that Harut and Marut taught the people Tawheed and Al-Iman, and that magic was haram. By the text of the ayat itself, and it goes to show the importance of the lugha. وَاتَّبُعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا الشَّيَاطِينُ عَلَى مُلْكِ سُلَيْمَانِ وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانُ وَلَكِنَ الشَّيَاطِينُ وَلَكِنَ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرَ وَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلْ هَارُوتَ وَمَارُوتَ So this ma, like la, there are different la's. La tajlis. Don't sit down. La ma'indi. No, I don't have it. The ma is like that. And they follow what the shayateen were reading during the time of Suleiman. Suleiman didn't disbelieve, but the shayateen disbelieved. They taught the people magic. And Harut and Marut did not. No, no magic was revealed on Harut and Marut. So some of the ulama understand the ayat like that. وَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلْ حَارُوتِ الْمَارُوتِ And nothing of magic was revealed on these two angels from Allah Ta'ala. But the first position seems to be the strongest position. That they did what Allah ordered them to do. What is the general advice for our children reading books and stories of magic as is the case in many children's books? If they're books that we purchase for them, Ikhwani, we shouldn't purchase them for them. And we should teach them that it's not permissible. Some of the most famous books contain magic in them. Jack and the Beanstalk is a book of magic and a book of vum. As we mentioned before, Jack and the Beanstalk. The beans that Jack purchased were magic beans that made the thing grow up and it went all the way up into the sky where the giant lived up there and the goose was laying the golden eggs that Jack went up to steal from the goose. And then he ran down and chopped the tree and then when the giant came down he fell and Jack murdered the giant. So obviously, Akhwani, this is stretching the situation. This is stretching it, but that's the story. So instead of preoccupying and busying our children with the stories of khurafat and dhulm and sihr, we sit them down and we explain to them why magic is haram and what is magic. We explain to them that Adam, our father, used to be a giant and that the people of Thamud used to be giants and they used to do this and so forth and so on. We teach them the religion. Killing is haram, stealing is haram. Why did Jack try to turn the corner? But we make sure that we teach them these stories are not true, they're from Khurafat and Al-Islam is better. Will we take what is worse? Will we change what's better for what is worse as the Yahud wanted to do in so many times in the Quran? The last question, Ikhwan, and issue is the story I have heard that Imam al-Dhahabi warned against and spoke against Imam ibn Taymiyyah. Is this true? This is a lie that was presented by a number of the people who were enemies to Ibn Taymiyyah recently and in the past. 
One famous imam who was an iskala of this deen from the Shafi'i Madhab, who used to get Ibn Taymiyyah arrested a lot. He was the main judge in their area. Al-Imam Al-Subki, who wrote the famous book, Tabaqat al-Shafi'iyya, tremendous scholar in al-Islam, bonafide scholar in al-Islam. But he had some issues. He had personal problems with Al-Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. So if they can have problems, why can't people today have problems? From the ulama. They have problems between themselves. And it's not permissible for you and I to make wala and bara on the problems that are clearly personal between scholars. So Imam As-Subki, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, when he said that the three divorces, your divorce, your divorce, your divorce, in one setting, he said, no, if someone divorces his wife like that, it only counts as one, as it used to be during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then during the time of Abu Bakr. And then during the time of Umar radiallahu anhu, the people did it a lot. So Umar being the Khalifa, he said, if you people do this, it's going to count as three. Because the people became lackadaisical. And they became too easy with this. When Imam al-Subki heard this fatwa of Ibn Taymiyyah, he arrested him. Had him arrested and put him in prison. Got out of the prison. So the troublemakers asked Ibn Taymiyyah some more questions. Is it permissible for a person to leave Britain, to ride his horse, to ride a plane, and to go to Bayt al-Maqdis, go to Bayt al-Maqdis to visit the grave of Al-Khalil Ibrahim Khalilullah, or to go to the grave of Rasulullah, and as near as to visit the grave, he said it's not permissible. You can't travel to any grave. You only can travel to the three masajid. Put him in prison, lock them up again. So Imam al-Subki, rahimahullah ta'ala wa afallahu anna wa anhu, he was the one who wrote this thing and attributed that Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim had a problem with his Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah. But that doesn't mean, ikhwani, that Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyya rahimahullah ta'ala did not refute Ibn Taymiyyah. He would refute his Shaykh. And he had a famous statement that we should memorize and we should say. And he said, Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, Habibuna, walhaqu ahabu ilayna. Anytime he wrote a book and he wanted to put his point that was different from his Shaykh, he would say, Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah is our Habib, we love him. But the haq, Allah al-haq, or the haq itself, is more beloved to us than he is. And then he would go and make his point and refute the point of his Shaykh. Rahimahumullahu ta'ala. And that was the tarbiyah of Ibn Taymiyyah to all of his students. And then after Ibn Qayyim, his students dealt with him like that. And Dhahabi dealt with him like that. And everyone dealt with him like that. So as it relates to this issue of Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi and Al-Imam Ibn Taymiyyah criticizing each other and making these statements, it is not true. The last thing that I want to make about this point, I don't know if it was in this masjid, but it seems to be quite recent. Could have been in London over the weekend. Someone said, uh, the question was asked in London, in the Masjid al-Huda, in Whitechapel, our Somalian community. Someone wrote a question and said, is it true that Ibn Taymiyyah ta'ala established body parts to Allah everything except the private part? Because I heard that that's what people are saying. That he had Allah 
Ibn Taymiyyah believed that Allah was everything that a human being is except the private part. Well, if he's going to establish all of that, now why not establish the private part as well? It's kedib, it's a lie. A lie that's made up by people who, subhanAllah, they don't like the pure tawheed and the pure aqidah, so they're against its people. This is the last question, inshaAllah. The blue eye? Some people put the blue eye of the blue stone in their cars and their windows and their homes to protect from the evil eye. And we don't know anything that is authentic from the sunnah that has this type of instruction being given to us. The, blue, the, the evil eye is true, as the Prophet told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, haq, the evil eye is true. But the way we ward off the evil eye is holding on to our deen, and if someone is afflicted with it, he goes and asks that individual to take a shower, and he takes from that water, and he bathes in the water that the person who he thinks or believes gave him the evil eye. Another point, Ikhwan, is we reject the statement that some of the people say that have good intentions when they want to encourage us to hold on to our religion, they say magic can only affect the individual who has weak iman. He doesn't pray, he doesn't fast, doesn't wear the hijab, not holding on to the religion. No, that is not a true statement. It's not true just like that. If anyone can be affected, it's definitely the one who is da'if in his iman, for sure. But magic and the evil eye can afflict the person who is the imam of the muttaqeen, like it happened with our prophet and our messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. But the stronger the person's iman is, and the stronger his tawakkul is, and the stronger his yaqeen billah is, then obviously the less he's going to open the door for shaitan to preoccupy him. So what is the hikmah that Allah Azza wa Jal allowed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be hit and afflicted with a sihr? One of the clear hikmahs is so that we'll know what to do if it happens to us. Another of the clear hikmah is to prove Ikhwani, Rasulullah is not from the nur of Allah. Rasulullah is a bashar. Can Allah become mashoor? Can Allah Ta'ala have magic worked on him? This is from the clearest adillah and proofs for us to hold on to worshiping Allah and using Rasulullah wasallam as the vehicle that showed us how to worship Allah. The nur of Allah cannot become mashoor. And also from the wisdom of that is that the Prophet ﷺ, the more ibtila you have in this dunya, the higher your place is going to be. So his ibtila was shadeed to the point that when he was mashoor, when he had the magic worked on him, he would prepare to make a ghusl. And our mother Aisha radiallahu anha would say, where are you going ya Rasulullah? He said, I'm going to make ghusl because we have relationships. She said, we didn't have relationships. He thought he had relationships and he didn't have relationships. It was to that level and that degree. The last thing about magic, Ikhwani, every nosebleed doesn't mean you have magic on you. Every headache doesn't mean you have magic on you. That's how some of us are. 
We have mental problems. We have those who make wudu with swas. He keeps making wudu. Then we have the people who are paranoid. He's giving me the evil eye. She put the magic on me. No, I'm not going to visit them and I'll break the ties of relation because they put the magic. The child died. They put the magic on me. Now this is not from the religion of Al-Islam. There are ways to know that people have put magic on you and there are ways to know that you are not a person who has magic but instead you have a chemical imbalance and you need some medical treatment. You need to go see professional people. So you have to determine when and how that is. And there are people who know how to do that. Stay away from the peer who has khurafat. The peer who has khurafat. You want to go and he writes you a potion and he burns it and you drink it. You go and she says, I have headaches, I have bad headaches. So the peer tells the people, paint the room all red, get a red blanket on the bed, make the carpet red, paint the door red, the pillow red, and then it's going to go away. What is that, Akhi? The same people who tell us, I don't believe the people can go to the moon. If they did go to the moon, let them go to the moon on the first day when the moon is small. They can't step on the moon, they'll fall off. That's how people are. Don't take your religion from those people, Ikhwani. So we're going to stop here inshallah sa'ilina Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yuwafiqina wa iyaakum lima yuhibbu wa yarda hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyina wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in.